This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So if you have your Bibles, I think we're going to start in Luke chapter 6. We have been teaching on ministering to the family, spirit, soul, and body. And for the last few weeks, I have been in the soul portion of this teaching. And make sure you understand, this is the first section of the soul portion. There's another section coming up after this that continues on with this teaching concerning the soul. Okay? And so as we minister on this portion of the soul, I want to remind you of what our intent what our goal is in this. We want to address how to deal with the struggles with wrong thoughts and depression and marriage, especially after the newness is worn off and after you've found out that it's not what you had intended to be, it's not what you wanted it to be. We want to address how to handle struggling with what you might think is a midlife crisis and feeling inadequate or as if you are missing out on something or missing something. We want to address how to handle those depressing and debilitating thoughts and then learn how to control your thoughts and identify when you are too hard on yourself and others. And we set out in this portion of the soul, I set out with three objectives. First, to give you a proper view of faith with respect to marriage. Again, the question is, what does your faith have to do with this situation? And we've addressed also what is required in combination with your faith for a successful marriage. And we understand that now. That's work. It's going to take effort on your part. And then today we want to address my third objective, which is to identify where these thoughts come from, these thoughts that we're trying to address and deal with. Now, we came out of two key scriptures. I won't ask you to turn there for the sake of time so that we can get to uh, that third objective. But one of our key scriptures was Proverbs 19 and 21, which says there are many devices in a man's heart. There are many things that we want in many ways we dream of how to get those things that we want but it's the counsel nevertheless the counsel of the Lord that's what's going to stand and then in Proverbs chapter 15 verse 22 it says without counsel purposes are disappointed but in the multitude of counselors there is safety and I wanted to make sure that you understand that not only are we talking about the source of that counsel making sure that you have proper godly counsel but in the multitude of counselors it speaks of patience you can't be in a rush if you want lasting results. And also, we started after those key verses talking about Matthew chapter 11 where Jesus tells us that come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls. And so, we have a Lord. We have a Savior. We've committed our life into Him, and He's faithful. He has delivered us peace. This peace is an internal peace. It's because we are now okay with God. We are now at peace with God. You know, and no bad marriage is able to take that away. No disappointment in marriage is able to take that away. We have, you have, if you belong to Him, you have peace with God. But we found out in the midst of this teaching that even though you might have peace with God, that doesn't mean there won't be struggles. There won't be battles. And in the midst of those struggles, in the midst of those battles, as much as we want to just pray our way through, we can't just pray our way through. But as we go through, as we 
stand. As we don't give in, we've got to hold up the rod. And that rod is the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, not any other thing. I'm telling you, when people have issues, the place to run closer to is the church where Christ can be found. Not away from it. Not away from the people that keep you reminded of who you are and the peace that you have in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you want to make it, you've got to hold up that standard. And as you do, you have to understand now, your faith is in salvation, your faith is in redemption, but your faith is needed in that marriage. Your faith is not for the marriage, but your faith is needed for that marriage. And because of that internal peace you have, even though things may not be going right, you can hold the course. You can obey God. Here's what God God needs. First of all, I want you to understand, God is with you and a desire for you to have a good marriage. But what God needs is He doesn't need your help. He needs your cooperation. See, when people try to help God, they try to do things as if God can't handle it. God can handle it. He just gives you the tools you need. He gives you the strategies you need. He just needs you to cooperate with those. And in the end, you benefit. You know, he's not going to stop being God because you don't cooperate. This is all for your benefit. So this is us holding up that rod. We're cooperating with God. We're listening. We're taking in his word. And we are applying his word. This is where we, we found that we have to understand the principle of sow and reap. So in reap, seed time and harvest tells us that we have to put in work to get a return. And then when that return comes in, we've got to put in work together in that which we gathered. Okay, or that which we, we put in for the return, right? So we sow, we work to put for a future return, and then we reap. We work together the return from the work that we put in previously. And so the principle of sow and reap, look at this in Luke chapter 6. Now, we saw... In other scriptures, we saw that God is not mocked. Well, so a man soweth that shall he reap. We saw that if a man sows sparingly, he will reap sparingly. We saw that if a man sows bountifully, he will reap bountifully. We also looked at Luke chapter 6, and I like this scripture because it's so appropriate with relationships one with another. Verse 37 of Luke chapter 6 says, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give in. In other words, if you want peace, why don't you give a little peace? If you want quiet, why don't you give a little quiet? Verse 38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you good measure. Pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall man give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. This is seed time and harvest. This is sow and reap. In other words, while you're waiting for somebody else to get it together, why don't you invest in what you want in return? Why are they always so hard on me? Don't be hard on others. And maybe they won't be so hard on you. And again, I want to make sure you understand, don't wait for them to get it together. You're the person of faith. Because you have that peace with God. You don't have to wait for somebody else to get it right. You can show them what's right. And then we saw natural considerations. We, we took some time talking about natural considerations. These are just natural things that take up thought space. right? But we also saw that if we do not apply the counsel of God to our natural considerations, the outcome is distractions. And distractions take up valuable time. Distractions cost us more than it ought to. Distractions cost us more energy than it should take. Distractions re- result in 
being agitated and agitations. Distractions result in me being diverted away from being effective and productive. It also spoils any spiritual progression that I made, it becomes spoiled because I've become distracted. Any progression that I made spiritually, suddenly I find I'm not progressing like I should be because I am distracted. And distractions are what we get when we do not apply the standard of God to our situation. God never intended for marriage to be a distraction. He never intended that. Now, Turn to Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to read this scripture before we move on to actually a couple of scriptures in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6, first and foremost. As we get into new information. So following the word of God, his counsel, enables us to properly handle natural considerations. And I want you to understand the best fruit, you want good fruit. The best fruit comes from wisdom applied and diligent labor. Again, let me make sure you understand that. Wisdom applied and diligent labor. Got to put in the work. Look, I cannot expect good fruit if I'm not willing to take godly counsel and do the work necessary. I can't just be a hearer. I must be a doer. I can't be a hearer and expect good fruit. Again, what does sow and reap say? I will reap based off of what I sow. I will benefit from the proper work that I put in. Or I will get the consequences. I will suffer from the lack of work, the lack of effort put in. So I cannot expect good fruit if I am not willing to take godly counsel and do the work necessary. Here's what you have to do. You have to make it up in your mind. You have to establish it in your mind. You have to make this your mantra. I'm willing to put in the effort. I'm willing to put in the effort. Because I'm going to tell you right now, you will be challenged. And you have had to have resolved in your mind, I don't care what the challenge is, I'm going to put in the effort. This is no promise that somebody is going to meet my lofty ideals. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. I can't promise you that everything that you dreamed up, everything that you imagined, how you would write the book is how your life is going to end up. So, so I, I, I'm not promising you that the person you're with or the person you want to get it right is going to meet all your lofty ideals. But the best I'm going to get depends on what I put in. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. If I've been aggravating and I get aggravation back, well, that's the best you put in. Don't be mad at God. Again, you have to hold up the rod. Something you can't just pray your way through. You have to apply the word. You have to be a believer in the midst of it. You have to trust God. So the best I'm going to get depends on what I put in. And understand, there's going to be a space of time between the work and the effort I give and the fruit I receive. Never forget that. Never forget that. You cannot be impatient with this. And what it is, we want to see something change suddenly in that other person. When in all honesty, God didn't have that kind of ease with you. You didn't just wake up one day, I'm, I'm alright God, I'm never going to disobey you. It, it didn't work that way, did it? He patiently waited for the fruit. You're going to have to do the same. You're in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 6. 
Let's read this quickly. Verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Now, don't get offended with that. Okay? This is wisdom. Speaking to those who have forsaken wisdom. Who have rejected wisdom. And so wisdom is crying out. And again, if somebody calls you out your name and if that's not you, don't be worried. But if it is, you turn around and see what they want. Go to the ant, thou sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Which having no guide, overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth and thy want as an armed man. It's a very simple message. The answer, no. My livelihood depends on my effort. I don't need anyone to tell me. It's in my DNA. And God says, through wisdom, He says, if you pay attention to the ant, you've learned some wisdom. Now apply it. Put in the effort. Again, you have to make up your mind. I am going to put in the effort. And it sounds so easy when I say just make up your mind to do it. When you have been living a life for so long without putting in the effort, it's easier said than done. Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. Verse number 4. The sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Always an excuse. Therefore, if you always have an excuse, the slugger will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore, shall he beg and harvest and have nothing. I think it's pretty clear. I think it's pretty plain. Put in the effort. Remember, though you have peace with God, it does not negate the principles that God has placed at work in the earth. Sow and reap. It works. And you haven't even realized it's been working. And we always come up with reasons why we can't. Why they need to get it right. Why they need to make the adjustment. But are you the believer? All right. Let's move on. Turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 6 and also find Second uh, Corinthians chapter 10. Ephesians chapter 6 and 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So let's deal with objective number 3. Where do these thoughts come from? Where do these struggling thoughts, these wrong thoughts, these depressing thoughts come from? Now, I want to make sure that you do understand as well. I know we have been concentrating on marriage, but this applies to anything that has really gotten you to a depressed state, especially as it pertains to relationships with other people especially in this time and age in this day uh, people are so so sensitive to how they relate to others and how others relate to them but if you're a believer you have to hold up the rod you have to look to the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ therein is your victory if you do not there is defeat Ephesians chapter 6 so where Do these thoughts come from? Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. For we wrestle. Not against flesh and blood. But against principalities. Against powers. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness. 
in high places. It says we wrestle. There's a battle that goes on. You know, we looked at that in, in Exodus 17 about the battle of Rephidim. You have your own battle that's going on. We wrestle. But it's not against flesh and blood. It's not against this individual you think you have ought against. We as believers, we're in the midst of a battle. And it is not physical. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Did I say First Corinthians before? If I did, I was wrong. I meant Second Corinthians chapter 10. I say that because I was in First Corinthians 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10, <laughs> verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare. You see this? Two different places now. He's talking about battling going on. For the weapons of our warfare. Who is, who is our? Who's included in our? He's talking about the believers. For the weapons of our warfare. We are in the midst of a warfare. They are not carnal. But they are mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. Ooh, I like that word imaginations. Casting down imaginations. Uh... Reasonings. Can I give you another word for it? Excuses. Arguments. When God says, wives, reverence your husbands, the arguments come up as to why you shouldn't. See, you're in the midst of warfare. You didn't even know it. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down those reasonings, casting down those, uh, those excuses. Casting down those arguments against the word of God. And every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. I'm sorry, imagination, another word for imaginations, are justifications. See, in this warfare we have mighty weapons that can cast down all of our justification for why we will not cooperate with God. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought every thought to the obedience of Christ do you see that as a believer we are under constant barrage and the thing is it's not physical it's not in the natural it's in the spiritual and he lets us know right here where it is see these imaginations these arguments these justifications these are thoughts these high things that exalt itself against the knowledge of God these are thoughts it's in our mind. These are wrong thoughts. And we're under constant barrage as believers from two sources, really. And I want you to understand this. If we belong to Christ, don't you know we were crucified with Him? That means the flesh has been put on the cross. Has been nailed to the cross. But the flesh doesn't like to stay on the cross. That's your flesh. And never forget, your flesh is not your friend. Your flesh wants you to, to please yourself and get away with stuff that is anti-God, but your flesh is not your friend. So, so you're constantly under barrage from your flesh. Let me down from here. Let me out. Hear me. I'm your flesh and I want to roar. So we have to battle that. But the weapons of a warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God. But the other place that we get hit from is the enemy looks for an occasion. The enemy constantly looks for occasion. I want you to understand this about the enemy. The enemy, <laughs> I'm, I'm always moved. I, it's my favorite scene. and You know, I like Star Wars, Clone Wars. 
one of my favorite scenes is when uh, this villain, this villainess, Ventress, comes against Yoda. She thinks she's all that. And Yoda says, the force is strong with you, but not that strong. <laughs> and puts her away like she's nothing. You see, the enemy, yeah, he's strong, but he ain't that strong. Let me see, the, the enemy might be able to put on a few magic tricks, but he's no god. Can't compare. Because I want you to understand this about the enemy. He can't read your thoughts. We, don't, we have no scriptures that substantiate that he can read your thoughts. You know what he has to do? He has to watch. He has to observe. He sees what stations you pause on and for how long. He sees what books you read and what you're captivated by. <laughs> you know? And then he comes to conclusions. He says, oh, okay, based on what I see, based on how I've watched their life, you know, he has nothing better to do. He comes to conclusions and says, oh, here's what I can do. I can use this against them. So he's constantly putting things before you to entice you. See, our battle is not natural. It is spiritual. And the battleground is the mind. Now listen to this. I want you to understand this. The thoughts are real. The thoughts are real. Not that the thoughts are accurate. <laughs> not that they're on point, but the thoughts are real. And the feelings, the emotions they invoke are real. Yeah, you're upset. Yeah, you're angry. Yeah, you're disappointed. Because those thoughts are real. Even though they may not accurately reflect what's going on, they do invoke emotions. See, that's, that's the enemy's game plan. That's his ploy. But what you have to do, what we have to recognize is if these thoughts have come from a source that is against the will of God, you know what has happened? The enemy has got in our mind. Wow, I know. I understand. We think because once I accept Christ, I'm done. He's obligated to protect me. No, no, again, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. See, and we have to... Let me read Second Corinthians 10 again. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, Casting down imaginations. Do you hear that? Imaginations have to be cast down. You know, how do we stand against the enemy? We stand against him in faith. That's how we do it. And what is faith? Faith is more than just an acknowledgement of the word of God being true. Faith is the activity of what we say we believe. See, that's us cooperating with God taking his word and putting it into play so we can cast down these imaginations. So we have to recognize if we're having these debilitating, depressing thoughts, the enemy has got in our minds. But don't you ever forget, turn to John chapter 8. Don't you ever forget this. You've got to know the enemy. <laughs> John chapter 8. Again, the force is strong with him. It ain't that strong. See, the enemy, he is the father of lies. I like how Jesus lays it out. It's, 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 it's tough to only go to this one verse, but we'll only go to verse 44. John chapter 8, verse 44. This is Jesus talking, and I'm telling you, this doesn't sound like the lamb. <laughs> 
Ye are of your father the devil. That didn't sound like the land. <laughs> doesn't sound like people around there singing Kumbaya. Oh, holy night. He's like he's reading somebody's mail. He says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not saying that the devil is your father. I'm telling you that Jesus is going to give us insight into the devil. So he talks to this group. He's not saying that the devil is your father, but he talks to this group. He says, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. Then he says, Let me tell you about the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. Him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. When the enemy has gotten to your mind, understand he's come with a lie. Here's the thing about lies lies come in petite size, they come in small, they come in medium sizes, <laughs> they come in large, they come with in extra large, they come with Implied, not spoken. You know, sometimes we just hold back, simply hold back the truth. Sometimes the lie is just all in our head and only in our head. Now, because the enemy gets you to take a thought, remember, he's the father of lies, doesn't mean that that thought accurately reflects the way it truly is. Understand this. I want to make sure you understand. Where do these thoughts come from? The enemy has got in your mind. And what he does is he brings lies. And so you take a thought and you let it overwhelm you and you receive it as true. And you've got to understand he's the father of lies. And so the thoughts that he gives you will not accurately reflect what's truly going on. In other words, the situation is not as hopeless as he wants you to think it is. The individual you're dealing with, they're not as hopeless as he wants you to think that they are. He wants you to think your situation is more pitiful than it really is. He wants you to think that you're more pitiful than you really are. These are lies. So the question then becomes, how did he get in my mind? See, we've got to close these doors to the enemy. How has he gotten in my mind? mind you know I'm just dealing with I forget to mention the the title of my section the title of my section is identifying the problem I'm just dealing with identifying the problem Uh, but I'm going to tell you right now part of the problem is that when you believe the lie you get away from the truth when the enemy has got in your mind with a thought that you take that is a lie then you find yourself gravitating away from the people who are surrounding the truth who are dwelling in the truth who are speaking the truth to you how do I say it you stop attending church you stop coming to services like you used to you're not in contact with the people you used to be in contact with this is why we need to pray one for another when we don't see brothers and sisters like we used to and again not in all cases but, you know, prayer never hurts. But in many cases, the enemy has gotten in their mind. Gotten them to believe a lie. <sighs> See, that's the enemy's play. The enemy doesn't want you successful. 
The enemy doesn't want you to have a good marriage. The enemy wants you. To, the enemy wants to use it against God to say you ain't that really good of a guy. They didn't really believe you. That faith ain't about nothing. How has it gotten in your mind? Look at this Matthew chapter 11. Here's one way the enemy gets in your mind. Because remember, he can't make you do a thing. He doesn't have that kind of power. All he can do is present and persuade. And how does he present? How does he persuade? He's been watching you. He's been, ta- he's been paying attention to what you like, what you don't like. He knows, he's been paying attention to the things that get your attention and the things that don't get your attention. The things that you spend time on and the things that you refuse to spend time on. Matthew chapter 11. One way he gets in your mind is through wrong expectations. He's been observing you. He's been paying attention. You expect that? Well, I'm going to use that against you. Matthew chapter 11. Now this is, it's kind of hard to read, only verse 7, we're going to read verse 7, but, but leading into it, this is when John the Baptist was in prison. Remember, this is the same John the Baptist that announced and proclaimed by recognizing the Spirit of God descending upon Christ as a dove and announced to everyone, this is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. But he's now in prison. And he sends disciples to find out if Jesus is the one who he really is. Even though it's already been confirmed to him. And then, so, you can only imagine what people are thinking. John the Baptist? I thought John the Baptist was perfect. (laughs) So in verse 7, it says, And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, because he knows what's going on in their mind. Oh, John, John, I'm kind of disappointed in John. He said, what went she out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? I like that. Oh, I like the terminology. What went she out into the wilderness? I think Luke says, where, for to see. What, what were you looking for? What were you expecting to see? Did you think John was some supernatural prophet that never graced this earth before? You think he didn't put his pants on one leg at a time? Who told you that he was going to come any other kind of way? Where did you get that expectation from? See, this is how we enter into marriages. I don't don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. But who told you it was going to work out to your fantasy? See, this is why we started out with those key verses. See, without counsel, purposes are disappointed. Now, now here's the thing about when we say without counsel, it doesn't mean the counsel wasn't given. It just means you didn't take it. Glory to your name. Yeah, God. Again, he, 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 can, he can read our mail like that. So this is why we gather counsel. And then not only do we get counsel, here's what we do. We get counsel to say we got it, but we don't get the multitude of counselors. You understand what I mean by that? We're impatient with it. We just came and said we did church. We checked that off, but we really didn't wait to hear what God had to say. Because our mind was made up. We're going to make this happen. I don't care what you say. We got the date. We set the date. It's going to happen. You don't care if they're ready or not. Fantasies disappoint. Make sure you understand this when I say this to you. You need to come to grips with reality. 
you need to learn to look for good reality and not unattainable fantasy. Your fantasy is not the only way to have a good marriage. What went she into the wilderness for to see? What were you looking for? Oh, I thought they would cook breakfast, lunch, and dinner and serve it to me in bed. Who told you that? <laughs> I thought he would bring roses to me every day, every night. I thought he would surprise me every lunchtime. Wrong expectations. And suddenly the enemy has taken that and saw, oh, I saw what your expectations were. You were, you were living in a fantasy land, and I'm going to use that against you. And he gets in your mind and he entices you. Puts these thoughts in your mind behind that. And he wants you to keep expecting the fantasy. He knows it's unattainable. We need to get you down to earth. Here's what happens. We watch too much entertainment. I know. We, we don't like to hear stuff like that. You, you know, we just start believing the fantasy. You know, certain people shouldn't be allowed to watch certain things. Because they try to mimic they try to repeat. They try to make it their own when it's all scripted. When it's all Hollywood, Bollywood, or whatever. But how does the enemy get in your mind? He's watched your wrong expectations. And he's gotten you expecting what's unattainable. And you know what that does? It puts that person that you're with in a no-win situation. Amen. How has it gotten in your mind? Past experiences. Ooh, Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. Let me make sure you understand this about past experiences. I'm talking about past experiences that were not ordained of God. Ruth chapter 1. Past experiences that were not ordained of God. I'm going in the wrong direction. Ruth. Verse 20. And she said unto them, Call me not Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi? Seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me. Ha, ha, ha. So, the short of it is, Naomi has spent ten years in a land she should not have spent time in. Hallelujah. God is not mocked. <laughs> Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so when she left ten years ago, her mama called her Naomi. Her daddy called her Naomi. And that was supposed to mean pleasant. But now, based on the ten years of experience, she comes back and says, don't call me Naomi any longer. She's re-identifying herself. Sounds familiar to today, huh? And she says, call me Mar. Mar means bitter. What happened, Naomi? I've had some past experiences that don't sit well with me. And again, I want, you to, I want to make sure you understand this. Some of you who know the scriptures, Ruth had, I mean, Naomi had no business leaving when she left. Somebody might say, yes, yeah, she followed her husband. And didn't we already touch on that? 
if you are a person of faith, you can't follow your spouse into unrighteousness. But they did. So this is an experience that was not ordained of God. And you see, she's come back bitter because of her past experiences. And past experiences tend to carry with them disappointments. Past experiences end up bringing into today unfair comparisons. We find in past experiences guilt. We find in past experiences shame. Here's a simple truth for you. Don't live in the past. Don't live in the past. The enemy wants me to think that I cannot move beyond my past. That I'm stuck. Oh, how I love my Lord. I hear the declaration today. If you will hear my voice and harden not your heart. I like that terminology today. Because today says I don't care what happened before today. But if today you will hear my voice. Today if you would obey. Then you get a chance to eat the good of the land. But what about all those yesterdays that I messed up? All those yesterdays of bad experiences. All those yesterdays where people did me wrong. Today. If you will hear his voice. Oh, I thank my God. That we're not stuck where we came from. So you cannot live in the past. Your faith should teach you that. So how does the enemy get in our mind? He plays our wrong expectations. He plays off of our past experiences that were not ordered by God. And then, he'll take present unfavorable positions, present unfavorable conditions, and use it against you and get in your head. Listen, maybe the expectation was not wrong. But things just haven't fallen right. They definitely have not fallen the way that you plan. In the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 1, this is Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. Now, it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. That's an unfavorable condition. There was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. Things got uncomfortable, so they moved away from where God had them planted. They made an unadvisable move from the will of God due to the unfavorable situation. I don't know who told you that every day was going to work out perfectly. But if they told you, it's from the pit of hell. That is a lie. Things won't always go smooth. Things won't always fall into place. Look at this in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. I really don't know how to say this, but I really don't know how to say we, we just have unreal. What went she into the wilderness for to see? 
who gave you the impression that everything was going to be perfect, that there wouldn't be rough days, there wouldn't be rough times? Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. Oh, I like that. You don't even know the works of God. Hallelujah to your name. You see, I hear Joseph in this. Joseph lived through some very unfavorable conditions. But he was not moved because of those unfavorable conditions conditions. And you know what God was doing in the midst of his unfavorable conditions? God was doing a work. God was doing a work in the midst of Joseph's unfavorable conditions. You don't know what God is working. You don't understand. A little patience there. A little waiting on God. You don't know what great things are in store. What he's working in the midst of that unfavorable, that uncomfortable position. But Ecclesiastes says, now the person who's so engulfed with what's happening today will get so moved by unfavorable conditions, they won't sow. They won't do the work that's necessary. Verse 6 says, in the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether it shall prosper. Either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. You know, the short of this, we don't have time to go into it, but the short of this is obey God. You don't know what the results are going to be. You just have to trust God even when things aren't seemingly going in a favorable position for you. This much we have to understand. Things are not certain. Some things just are not certain. Things can and things do change. Today, all is well. Tomorrow, suddenly all that was well goes wrong. That doesn't mean that God is not with you. You, again, this is it. Hold up the rod. Trust in God in the midst of these things. Sometimes, you know, here's what happens. Typically, especially in marriages, what happens is financially we hit problems. We hit roadblocks. Physically, we run into problems. Understand this. We walk by faith not by sight we look at the things that are unseen not the things that are seen so don't be moved because things aren't working out right now well it's been a while you know do not move away again I want to make sure you understand this considerations are best handled by the standard of God by the wisdom of God applied if you do not you think you have a problem now you haven't seen a problem yet because that consideration is going to blow up to be a big distraction for you you've got to learn to trust God your wrong expectations aren't being met still trust God your past experiences weigh on your mind still trust God the present condition right now and I have to say this Maybe right now it's all right, but tomorrow it may not be all right. Still, no matter whether it's bad today, good today, bad tomorrow, good tomorrow, trust God in the midst 
of it all. The enemy wants to use it all against you. The enemy's goal is to get you to be persuaded and convinced in a lie and to get you to commit acts that are anti-God. I'm about out of time, so I want to make these last statements. What happens is when we are dominated by these thoughts that evoke these emotions, the enemy is pleased when you respond emotionally out of your dissatisfaction. That's where those hurtful words come from because we speak from our emotions. And so when we respond, I want to make sure you also understand this. In this day and age, respond also includes what we post socially. Wow. Wow. We put those things out there and those things are recorded. We need to learn how to stop. (laughs) Be slow to respond. Be quick to hear the counsel of God. You need to consider your thought before you respond. Before you say something that you ought not say. When you find yourself saying, I can't help but say it, the enemy is guiding your mind. When you can't hold your tongue. So the enemy is pleased when you can't hold that tongue. When you just got to say it. When you just got to post it. Yeah, but it's true. Yeah, but the Bible tells us plainly. Whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are good report. Whatsoever things are virtue. Whatsoever things are praise. These are the things that, you know, it takes time to think on before we post whether or not our thoughts meet that criteria before we put them to pen and paper and speak them out of our mouth. Responding emotionally when you're in despair keeps perpetuating, perpetuating the distraction. Responding emotionally when you are in despair keeps perpetuating the distraction. But remember... Christ provides rest. Amen. Now some people think a message in a sermon is not going to do the trick. But you need to go back and find out that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to confound the wisdom of this world. See, I told you, when you hold up the rod, His methods are going to be unorthodox. What you need now is the counsel of God. Again, this is going to conclude this section of the portion on soul. We have some more coming. We're going to find out how to apply this practically. Now you know what you're dealing with. Amen. I'm out of time. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water in Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. 